it's time for the everyman. Well, real man talk. Let's go. Time to grind, get inside your mind. Yeah, we working overtime. That's the only way to climb. We gon' make it in our prime. Signing on the dotted line, cashing checks left and right. That's the way I'm living life. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Everyman. It is another episode down for the boys tonight, and I think we are now well into our double figures. So, how is everyone doing tonight? Spotty dog man. Yep. I'd be, uh, I'd be better if Dean's internet would stop playing up, you know. Yeah, um, I, I felt that already. It is. is it? We've it's got a guest them. Oh my god! Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. We've got a, we've got a really special guest, and someone Lewis knows quite well as well from back in the day can shed some light yeah. on there, uh, some dark secrets. I hope. So I'm really excited for today's guest. You know, someone who's reach the top level um it's something that a lot of us aspire to do i think a, a lot of young lads especially when you're you're growing up you want to be a professional athlete i think that's one of the top yeah. two things along with being an astronaut or a cowboy um it's what you want to be so yeah i'm lo- really looking forward to today's episode and and david just before i let lou go on the massive intro and list through all your accomplishments i hear you're a football fan and you had something on this weekend here we go. We've got to rub it in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just, just driven back from London where my team, Plymouth Fargo, lost 4 0. So thank you for reminding me. But yeah, yeah, very good. You're welcome, um, me. Yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. Absolute pleasure. Maybe I can use my athlete mental strength to recover from the loss this weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> well, David, actually, funny you should say Plymouth Argyle because uh, Lewis pr- actually used to play for Plymouth Argyle back in the day. I don't know if he's ever mentioned that or if you were around when he was in the younger days, you know. And he's Plymouth Argyle yeah. tracksuit, though. Now's his time to plug it again. <laughs> yeah, th- exactly. thank- thanks, Ethan. It's another episode where we can just tick that off, as I think that is a hot streak of every single episode. I've never brought it up. It's something that Ethan has brought up every single time. So thanks, mate. Mate. Thank you. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, so, as... That's what it's all about, though, guys, isn't it? It's, it's, your mates have got to big you up, haven't you? Because we can't always be from you. So I'm, I'm honoured that you've got me on here to give me the opportunity to talk about myself a little bit. So, there you go. Yeah. yeah. No, all good, mate. So I think what I'll do, I'll give you a little bit of a, an intro to listeners because we haven't done that yet. So tonight we have David Weatherall on our podcast. David is a, a three-time Paralympian. He is someone who was a few years older than me in school, and he was someone who I personally have grown up and always looked at and thought, wow, that's David's overcome some personal um, challenges in his life and reached the very top of what he's done um, in terms of his profession. So, David, um, you can obviously give your intro of who you are way better than we possibly could. Do you mind just opening up a little bit around a brief around what you've achieved and some of your some of your sort of highlights headlines absolutely uh how how short do you want me to keep i'll keep it in a very brief nutshell uh obviously starting at the beginning so you know when you say paralympics obviously the, the most obvious question would be having a disability etc cetera, etc cetera. so i was born with a, a bone condition called multiple physio dysplasia which in layman's terms basically means my bones don't grow properly or all my joints are quite misshapen so uh, I mean, for example, like like a ball and socket joint would more more be like more like a rugby ball 
for myself. So I've got quite a lot of joint pain. So in terms of mental health and dealing with it on a daily basis, it's pretty much just pain management and being able to push through that and obviously not being able to do it. Like my range of movement isn't ideal and I've got limited mobility. Um, I use crutches every day now. I didn't used to when I was at the school. I think I started using them when I was like 10, uh, which mm-hmm. coincided with basically I broke my leg playing football. That yep. That's what <laughs> we touch on again. I love football. That was my first love. Um, but in a way, you know, that was a bit of a, a silver lining, really, because you know? um, I started playing table tennis um, as a direct result of that in my rehabilitation phase, shall we say. Um, but I think it was fueled a little bit by the fact that I've got an older brother who played, started playing as well at the same time as me. So he was a big, like, kind of marker for me to try and beat and get better at. And table tennis was one of the only things growing up that I could beat him at. So obviously that fueled my love for it. I was good at it. I think you can enjoy something you're, you're good at and it gave me a, a big kind of goal to aim for. And obviously with the revolution that is the Paralympics and, and opened all those doors for me and, and those opportunities, it, it kind of spurred me on. And I, yeah, from the age of 10, I don't think I went, I think probably didn't go a period of three or four days without playing table tennis until I, was, until I retired, but to be honest, and retired. November 2021, so not too long ago. So, yeah, so I played, uh, yeah, rewinding back a little bit. Um, start, I played my first international when I was 15, uh, yeah. when I was 18. Uh, so I played Beijing, London 2012, Rio 2016. Um, and obviously I can touch more on, on those later on. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think my, my most, you know, I think, again, I think in terms of mental health and results and Form. And even like obviously a touch on the football this weekend, like form is very much temporary and, and, and it's you know you can have bad results and stuff. And I think my my career, my confidence and all my kind of mood just in the, that period of my life directly correlated to how well I was playing on my results. So it's quite tough and it's not, you know, it's very up and down being an athlete. You can't you can't ride the crest of the wave all the time. There's gonna be some yeah. lows as well. So yeah, in terms of the Paralympics, like I never actually won a medal in the Paralympics, even though my level, like I reached number two in the world. So without trying to blow my own trumpet too much, like I probably never really ticked that, you know, that's a bit of a black mark on my copybook for, for the Paralympics. But I did, I won European Championships a couple of times. So that's probably my my crowning kind of, my most, uh, my proudest kind of achievement, I'd say. Won yeah. World as well. But yeah, and then fast forwarding to, uh, more towards the Tokyo cycle. Um, I qualified for Tokyo, but by that point, my, you know, COVID obviously was a, a big struggle mentally for, for quite a few people. And it was for me in the sense that that extra year, the postponement kind of put the nail in the coffin for my career in terms of yeah. by the time it actually came around, I was in no fit state to, to play. So yeah, that kind of uh, was a bit of a disappointment for me. But since then, I've career changed and come out of sport and all the mental challenges that that brings. Uh, aside from struggling to walk and all the pain that my disability in, which was my, the end of my career kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I've had a fair few operations and, and all that and et cetera, et cetera, and all the mental challenges that that brings as well. So that's me in a nutshell, um, where I am now. Uh, I'm now yeah. in the real world. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, that was a shock to the system, but you know, you've got to, you've got to keep hold of your passions and stuff. And I think that's, you know, the reason you get up in the morning and, I'm still involved in table tennis. I still love, you know, it's, I've just pivoted across and it's just a different kind of meaning to me now, different kind of purpose with different needs and wants. And I really get a lot of confidence and value in my coaching these days. So, so yeah, yeah. that 
quick whistles tops tour, I suppose. Yeah. What, what, what? Yeah, I think for, for me, so just taking it back a little bit, I remember, so I think when we had our, our pre-chat, we determined, I think I'm either three or four years below you in school. Um, we obviously know a lot of the same people. We're both from a, a very small town in Cornwall, uh, in comparison to the big wide world, which obviously you've experienced way greater than than we have. And um, I always remember going through school and seeing you achieve some of those things. Obviously, as you say, you, you were competing at an international level very, very young. How did you how did you find that? And how has that affected you as an adult? Because you've achieved so much so early to then now you sit there, I presume you're what mid 30s now. Like, how has that been having your career so early on? I think now you can look back and reflect with a bit more of a clear kind of view on it, like a, a true yeah. view. Whereas when you're younger, you kind of, you don't have that experience. You don't know what things necessarily mean in the whole wider kind of ramifications of, well, even like the wider responsibilities of being a Paralympian. I think it's yeah. all fun and you ride the wave. And um, now I'm very much aware of, you know, the social responsibility and the, the power of elite sport and all the things that that can with it. In fact, none of that enters your brain when you're younger. It's all about winning yeah. or losing. It's a be all and an end of it. And when obviously you're losing, that can feel like the end of the world. Um, yeah. But I, would, I think for me personally, like, it's just about enjoyment when you're younger. Like, try as many different sports as you can. Table tennis was that platform. It gave me that platform to demonstrate a, a I think, I mean, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it was all surrounding my disability. I wanted to prove myself. Like, I wanted to compete with my older brother. Yeah. I wanted to be, like, certain strong and do all the things that maybe maybe I couldn't, I feel, felt like I couldn't do. And I wanted to prove it. It was about proving that people wrong or proving myself wrong more than anything. Maybe I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. And I think winning tilt in this match is, like, filled me with so much confidence, gave me that identity, um, aside from just being a disabled person. I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, but... I think I did have a bit of a chip in my shoulder in those anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, in that sense, I was riding the wave and I was obviously doing really well. And that was, it, it was like self-perpetuating. I just fueled and spiraled upwards in terms of, you know, you, you climb the mountain, you, you, you climb, you, you get to the top of the mountain, you climb a bigger mountain. And I think, yeah, necessarily have that end goal in mind. Like, obviously, the Paralympics, I didn't even know the Paralympics was a thing when I first started playing table tennis. Um, but then, obviously, when when it became more of a thing and I started playing internationally, then boom, I was away. Like I was training like an animal every day, um, so dedicated. And I think, I think it, it probably gave me that, you know, that motivation to to do to do those things. Um, and if I yeah, if I take myself to like Beijing now, like I had absolutely no pressure on me whatsoever. Like when you're young. You don't have that mm-hmm. you, know, you obviously want to win and, and i think yeah i played amazing in Beijing when i was 18 like at that time obviously my level wasn't as good as as it was when i was older but i played above yeah. my school at that time no nerves no pressure just enjoying myself and then you're not really aware of the wider pressure or anything like that so yeah, yeah. i think i think uh with a bit more experience comes a little a bit more added pressure um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, I, I love the quote. You know, you don't you don't know how strong a tea bag is until you dip it in some hot water. And I think <laughs> that little taste of Beijing was my hot water, and I realised that I absolutely loved it. Like I thrived upon it. 
Um, and, you know, just being in that, that kind of, you know, competing, I'm quite a competitive person. It makes me really good. Like, and maybe that stems from having an older brother. Um, yeah. You know, we always wanted to win at whatever that was, even academics or playing table tennis and whatnot. Sorry if I'm rambling on here, but yeah. No, no, was, no, it's super that helpful. Was when I was younger. Um, so, yeah. Um, and it wasn't really till I got a bit older and the pressure, and I, like I was expected to win, but all the negative kind of things that are associated with big pressure situations started to come into my brain. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I can go on a little bit to London and, and that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't perform in London. Like that was, you know, I was a little bit injured as well. So I had a little bit of negativity creeping into my brain from the start and I didn't deal with it very well. And that was, that was alien to me. Like I'd never had that before. And it, yeah. that was a good thing. Looking back, that was a really good thing because it made me, you know, really felt I wasn't invincible and I did have to work on the mental side of things and I did have to like train my brain to become a little bit more resilient when things, you know, everything's easy when it's going right. Like even yeah. in life, like, when things are, when you feel good and everything's going right, you get up in the morning, like, there might not even be a reason for it. Sometimes you have good days or bad days and like, it's just, <clears throat> it's when things aren't going well that, you know, I hadn't had that before and I've never been able to learn how to deal with it. So yeah. Yeah. It was a uh, London 2012 was a big period of you know good you know I learned a lot from that and then yeah you know keeping on the theme of my table tennis career Rio 2016 another four years on I really worked hard and I was a man then like I performed unbelievably well in Rio got a bit unlucky I lost in the quarterfinals to the number one seed I had match point on him basically I know you can never say this but I think that was the final to be honest so that was the big one. Um, that one yeah. point was probably the best point I've ever played as well. And even, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of luck in life, don't you? Mm. It just doesn't fall your way, and that's fine, you know, as long as you've done everything you can. Um, and I think, I mean, I can touch on a bit of sports psychology here. I know I'm going off on one, but I'll just ramble on. But I think having that, <laughs> having that mindset when I grew older, like about it's, you know, it's okay to just letting go of the outcome, you know, you just got to give it your all win or lose that's fine like I think if I if I kind of had that mindset a little bit when I was younger I wouldn't have, it's, it's like the stress management as well I used to get so stressed before games like oh you know you know I, I really want to win this like mm -hmm. but if, if it's let, letting go of that being scared to fail kind of attitude then yeah. you're kind of more likely not to fail or more likely to succeed shall I say um yeah like shot selection like as long as it's reasoned and measured sometimes you've got to go for a big shot like mm. that, that you've alluded to before, being like, that's probably the right thing to do. Is like, you know, like, like I, I use a little bit of a profanity here, but sometimes it is shit or bust. And um, <laughs> as long as that's like the right thing to do at the right time and it's reasoned and measured and it's a calculated risk, then you're kind of more likely to pull it off. Whereas if it's just a shot in the dark, I'll oh, kind of, you know, if there's no reason for it, there's, you know, you probably should have played a bit safer or whatnot and it was the wrong thing to do, then you're probably more likely to fail, if that makes sense. And, and I think I've tried to be a little bit more logical in my elder career. Um, yeah. I used to feel a lot more emotionally and just, you know, and that's very that's very up and down. Like, if you felt good, you play good. If you felt bad, you play bad. And it's being able to be consistent with that and, and staying sticking to the process and stay logical things and, and that really helped my performance as I grew older. I just knew I could perform no matter how I felt. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, any questions? I guess. 
Yeah, David, just just for me, mate, um, I appreciate you opening up and sort of being quite frank there because, you know, you've hit that level. I know you were saying, obviously, you got a number two in, in, in the world and it, it, it's something that, you know, you should treasure and take pride in because, you know, people would give so many hours. You know, there's a 10,000-hour rule. People, if you want to be a professional and master something and you've obviously done the hard yards and you've got to where you want to be and you've, you're absolutely smashed it, mate. So, you as Lewis always says, metaphorical cap off to you, pal. Um, you have a cap on. You have a cap on. I have a, I have a cap on, but I've got a horrible hair. For anyone watching, um, just a quick. Again with his hair, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, at least That's it's it, better yeah. than Lewis's. Um, by the way, David, I just want to say, um, I just want to say, Lewis has slipped in several times that you are in fact older than him, um, despite the fact that he's aged like an avocado. So I just want to apologise, David. Thanks, mate. That you're also all older to... than me as well, Ethan. By like and a me? month. Is that older well, or not? Absolutely. I'm actually the youngest on the podcast, but I look the oldest. This is terrible. <laughs> exactly. So I want to apologise, David, because I've never had so, Lewis be so rude to a guest. Um, I think he's just, I think he's just jealous, mate. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but just taking it back to what you were saying before, mate. Um, you mentioned, did you mention coaching? So are you involved in co- the coaching side of things now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was playing, I was fairly selfish with my career. Like you have to be in a way. You have to, you know. It's, 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 at the end of the day, it's an individual sport. And even in practice, you're practicing with people you're competing against. So it can be a bit of a, a strange atmosphere in a training hall sometimes. Um, and I was very much selfish all about me and I wanted to improve for me. And if I was training with, with someone, yeah, you kind of mutually help each other out. And you, 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 at the end of the day, you're trying to improve yourself. Now, I've completely let go of that. I, I think I got a little bit disillusioned with, um, with what actually winning medals meant as i got older like mm-hmm. what's in winning medals that otherwise mean nothing if you're not doing it for a real purpose or you know the wider responsibilities of being a paralympian and as i got older I, like i really genuinely got a lot more gratification satisfaction and rewarding you know wholesomeness out of coaching and giving back and like training with the kids and the younger guys the players who not necessarily as good as you, you can still get a lot out of that um and i love it i love it now like just seeing like the youngsters do well and um yeah, and I think it was very hard for me when I was when I was playing because there was two two kind of yeah, you know, like I said, you, you kind of have to be selfish to get to get to where you want to be. Um, but no, like it's, it's now I'm not playing myself, and yeah, I've got the time to dedicate. And like I just can't imagine not being involved in everything. Like when if you just completely take away your passion and your whole purpose that has been your you know your life for so long, like you can get into a bit of a hole. And I really did last year. Like last year, I got into a, a massive hole because I couldn't do what I love to do anymore. And, uh, you know, I know it sounds stupid, but, well, maybe it doesn't sound stupid, but, um, yeah, coaching has almost, like, saved me a little bit. Um, and just still being involved and being in the buzz of a training hall, like, that's, that's everything. And, again, it's not really linked to whether you win or lose. And um, I think if you can let go of that outcome kind of mentality of measuring things based on whether, you know, you do this or you can do that or you know and, and in life as well then it's really quite you know you get a lot of freedom of mind out of that and, and uh, yeah I love it well no that's that's great dear I mean that that's what I want to, that's sort of you've answered me question before I've, I've got the chance to sort of really dig deep and I really appreciate that because I was going to say you know how did you find the transition because obviously you've mentioned you went through such a tough time 
and you, you've sort of managed to get yourself out of that position and like almost let go of, of it is a bit selfish because you know I'm in the same I've been in the same situation obviously not the your extreme but you know I've, I've played a lot of football you know I've always been an overweight guy as, as mentioned on the pod previously and I've always had to sort of be on the bench like I was a goalkeeper um, and I would always be on the bench and the thing for me is I would always have to warm up or train the other goalkeepers that are going to be playing and that yeah. for me is something I really struggled with because um, you know, they're they're starting every week, they're getting the praise in the change rooms, you know, they're seen as the strong link in the team, and you sort of have to take that back seat. And I know it's probably echoed in the professional game now. You see a lot of English goalkeepers playing third choice and you know, top four teams never getting the game, but I don't know how they can manage to do so. And it's actually quite refreshing to hear you be opening us and say, Yeah, I was selfish. I didn't really want to, you know not necessarily help, but you didn't want to sort of give away your game to someone else who could take advantage of that weakness. You know, if, if you're sort of constantly sparring with someone, whether it's boxing or, you know, goalkeeping or table tennis, you know, you're going to show weaknesses at times and you're leaving yourself vulnerable. So I, I really appreciate you being open and honest, um, you know what I mean? And, and you've got a lot you can actually transmit to that. So, yeah, that, that's fantastic that you actually still got that love for the game and you're still involved, mate. So, so I love that. No. Thanks. And I was, I was, I did listen to, you know, obviously listen to a bit. And I think you're, uh, you're, you're just going on. I'm getting a phone call. Is that, is that a noise? <laughs> Let me just reject that. You can edit this out. It's the England coaches calling back up, mate, saying, <laughs> Dave, we've, we've seen that you're coaching. Do you fan, we're short. Do you fancy coming and playing? <laughs> Sorry, can you still see me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can, mate. Can, yeah, yeah. Um, I think table tennis is a. I don't think table tennis is unique in that. Like it obviously is an individual sport, but it's very much a team sport as well. And like you obviously yeah. have that collaborative nature to try and get better in the training hall. But I think the one thing that I would say is the serves are so unique. And the service game, like, is so like it's important, it's crucial to to um, obviously table tennis in the level and like you've got. Unique serve that we, you know, they're your weapons. And for me, serving was a big strength of mine. So if I was giving those secrets away in a training hall, then that's going you know, to limit me massively when it really matters. So that was a, yeah, yeah it's a weird, weird kind of, um, you know, cat, like, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of mind games, put it that way, I think, from my point of view, anyway. And some people, some people did have, you know, some players have a, have a different view on it. This, you know, but for me personally, why was I going to give some of my secrets away in the training hall when you know they're my big weapons? So, so yeah, yeah. Um, I get that um, completely. But I think you'd be silly. Yeah. Anyway, that's just my view. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, obviously, I can impart all those secrets freely and willingly. So <laughs> it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say as well. Like, yeah. No, I, I listened to some of your your story. You you spoke about you know the ups and downs and not being you know, I think like I alluded to before, like when it's when it's going well and you have that, that good feeling, like it feels easy, but it's not always going to be like there's going to be peaks and troughs, aren't there? I think you spoke at, at length about that and I kind of, that resonated with me massively. Um, and especially since I've stopped playing as well, because I I could no longer, I couldn't even walk for a period of about a year and a half, not not without severe pain anyway. And, and I really struggled. Well, I put on a lot of weight as well. And and that really affected my my self esteem and my, my my motivation. Like I think it was hard, and 
and I think you can get clouded by the bigger picture sometimes. And I think I yeah. like you think oh, I've got to lose so much weight, or this is how out of shape I am, or this is how far I am for where I want to be. And I couldn't even like I was lying in a hospital bed without even being. Able, I don't want to sound it's kind of like a sob story, but I can see now clearly looking back that I was in a really bad way, but I didn't even realise it at the time, and I wasn't even able to get up and start along like i've used this quote before you might have like about you know you don't have to be able to see the top of the staircase to be able to take, take the first step and yeah I, I live by now yeah. and it's sticking trust in the process and trusting that you know this too shall pass like that kind of thought and i, I know that's quite a, 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 you know widely used uh shall we say but um you've got to scrape the barrel sometimes and it's when you're in the good times it's reminding yourself that you know but like you yeah i think you've got to do a bit of mental gymnastics and rejig the brain just to remind yourself that it's not all you know yeah oh have we lost david i think we might have um which is fine because i'm sure he will join straight Sorry. back on this We're is still you are still here. Great. Yeah. This is a. Sorry. This is one of the pros of, or the cons even, of doing a, a remote one. But no, I, I think there were some yeah. really good points there, David. And, yeah, something rambling um, on. No, no, no. I think the biggest thing that that I take from that, and it's something that we talk about generally, because obviously, what what our aim is is to make sure men generally feel nothing's ever as bad as it seems, and nothing ever is as bad as it seems, and nothing ever is as probably as good as you feel either. Like you've got to try and yeah. find that that because it's good for the moment, but then you don't want to get to that mountain and then feel actually what's next sort of thing. No, so try and sit in that. Yeah, that is a real skill just to try and to live still, in that sort of middle ground. Just like see things clear. Like even when you're analysing your matches or analysing reality, you always yeah. cloud by confidence or or by feeling bad or yeah, it's always worse in your imagination than it is in reality. And yeah, on the flip side, like yeah, it, like being able to. You know, you might, you might, I don't know, tactics and stuff. You might think that this is really working, but it really isn't. And if you watch something back sometimes, you realise reality sometimes when, you, like, in your head as you're playing, it looks completely different. Like that shot looks absolutely nothing like what I think it looks like in my head at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You sound nothing like what you think you sound like when you, you know, with my voice now. If I listen to myself back, and I'm sure. Oh it's yeah, it's the worst. Oh, but, What's that all about? It's the same with the brain and thoughts as well. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So, sorry to jump over you there, but no, no, it's all right, Dean. I think you had a, a question, mate. Just wanted to come back to what you were saying earlier about you know when you when the times are bad you play bad and when you're feeling good you play good. Um, and I listened to your TED talk where you were touching on sort of you know when you were feeling nervous um, that it was a little bit more difficult. And uh, it's something that I struggle with. Um, obviously, you've played at the sort of elite level. Uh, I play Sunday league. And before every game, I'm like on the toilet with nerves, you know, like uh, I play overplayed in my head so much. And then I end up playing, you know, sometimes you play worse because you're sort of, yeah. you know, overthinking of it. Um, and I know that you touched on, said that you were like that in some of the Olympics. Um, and what sort of advice would you have to sort of just like, you know, the standard man or um, anybody yeah. that sort of feels the same when they are sort of in that rut, you know? Do you know, the thing with nerves is it really affects your like kind of physical like you can have somatic anxiety like you could like you know your hands might yeah. sweat you might get the shakes which genuinely does affect your performance like mm. it's fine to be nervous but it's not fine to let it affect you to the point where you can actually do your job 
Um, and I mean, I can't speak for everyone because I think I genuinely think it's quite a personal thing. Like what works for me might not work for someone else. And you have to understand yourself. And that's why experience is everything. Like you don't know mm. how you work in certain situations until you're in those situations. Going back to the teabag analogy. But like, um, I, I think for me personally, like I recognize that I very much used to deal with nerves by having quite a defensive mindset, um, which I thought worked for me, but clearly it didn't. When I actually got put in the pressure cooker, it all went to, you know, all crumbled down. And my defensive mindset was almost like tricking myself into thinking, you know, it doesn't matter. It's only a game with table tennis. Why am I so nervous over this? And mm. I think that didn't work for me. And I don't, I'm not an advocate of that entirely because, you know, it's almost accepting that, you know, it's fine with losing, but it, it does matter. Like it's really important to you and you should acknowledge that and you should deal with the nerves rather than just pretending that they don't exist. Mm, um, yeah. So I, I kind of took that on board and pivoted massively. And I'm talking about, you know, post London 2012, where I kind of, you know, I think it's about acceptance. It's the same with having a disability. You can't just overcome the struggles of having a disability by pretending you're not disabled or pretending mm. that struggles don't exist <clears throat> because they do. And I think if you're nervous, the worst thing to do is to try and block them out. You have to try and deal with them and accept them. And I think that kind of almost epiphany kind of transformed my game. Like, And I, yeah. I was stopping pretending that it didn't matter and I was almost going the other way and saying yeah I'm going to win this really matters to me like I train my ass off every day why the hell am I going to go in here and let a little bit of nerves ruin all this hard work and all this thing that I'm trying to like achieve and etc etc like give it some mm -hmm. like up there and absolutely prove that you're a monster and you can use all your training you know your fitness like a big part of me was fitness and we can touch on that at length as well like I, I love feeling like an animal when it's like I'm not going to go out there and be a sheep or, a, you know, I'm going to be a lion and absolutely be a monster and prove how hard I've worked. <clears throat> and I kind of felt all that in and had all that gratitude for like, you know, the opportunity that I can demonstrate this and how can I possibly yeah. fail, you know? So I kind of completely flipped. And I think that's the mindset I tried to adopt. Um, and I know I touched on it in my TED talk as well, like having, you know, perception <clears throat> and altering your, your perceptions because really nerves and pressure and well even on the flips of confident then none of this exists it's just a concept in your brain yeah it's just like a, you know you're just attaching a certain amount of more importance or less importance on a situation which makes you yeah. feel more or less nervous or more or less pressure it doesn't actually exist it's, it's, yeah it's, 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 it's in your brain um, yeah do, 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 do you know the thing i i just want to touch on that actually so it's something that I've definitely felt, and the closer I got to, so I never got to elite level as much as Ethan will try and ha have my life for the Plymouth Argyle thing or the Torquay <laughs> thing or the Sunderland thing or whatever, right? He will, he'll have my life on it and that's fine. But so I never got to the professional athlete. I was there or thereabouts, didn't get there, wasn't good enough, but I don't know if I was not uh, like skillful enough at that point. Maybe, maybe not. But, I, I will never know that. But I know I definitely wasn't mentally strong enough. I got in my own head so much before performing. And it's what you were saying. I let a fake, I let my own negative thought prevent my own positive action. And 
it's a it's a really scary thing because it impacts yeah. you even even my life now so i don't work in sport at all anymore i work in marketing and even if i have to give a big presentation i'm fearful of people not enjoying the presentation or not uh, getting what i'm saying not, not really understanding my message versus putting all my effort passion energy into delivering the best sort of presentation or uh, piece of work that I can now do. Than you were before. Yeah, I'm you definitely know. better now. So maybe, I, what... maybe you never got to the point where you, like I said, I I never knew these things when I was younger. Like I, you yeah. have to be in these situations more and yeah. more. This is why you have to be in those big matches to be able yeah. to get to the point where you can deal with them. And like, yeah, you know, I was, I was, I wasn't good the first time I played table tennis in front of loads of people. So. You know, it, yeah. experience is a, is a big thing. Experience is the greatest teacher. You can read as many textbooks as you like. And the same goes for life as well. You have to go through some yeah. shit to be able to deal with shit. Sorry for the yeah. You can put them out, can't you? But no, mate, we, we can swear. No, no, we swear as much as we yeah. want. We, we do that. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. The, the one thing I, I wanted to touch on that, though, sorry, Ethan, I know you've got a, a question pending, is the thing that has allowed me to overcome that and it's just something that may be useful for other people and it is touching upon what you've just said there is... I feel a hundred times more confident when I'm prepared. So if I'm giving a presentation and I haven't put the hours in or I haven't done the work and I really know my shit, then I'm way more nervous. But if I know my shit and I know whatever anyone's going to ask me, I know the answer. I am infinitely less nervous, Mm. nervous. Just like when you say you put all the hard work in before performing. So you were turning up wanting to show, look, I've put the hard work in the gym. I've put the hard work in practice. So I'm going to show you all this great stuff that I can do. But if you had half-assed your training and maybe not put that same level of commitment in, your your nervousness or your inability to get out of your own mind, the, the doubts would be greater because you didn't have that ability yeah. to say, I know I can do this because I've done it for, as Ethan yeah. suggested before, the 10,000 hours. Um, and I think that's something that people can take from this. We, no matter what it is, you can achieve it, but you've just got to put the graft in. You're not going to be an elite athlete by waking up one day saying, I'm an, an elite athlete. And you're not going to get promoted at work just by saying one day you turn up inconsistently and go, well, I had a really good day at work three Tuesdays ago. And why aren't they promoting me? Well, because every other day of the week for the last year or whatever, you've half-assed it and you've turned up and maybe not done put all the, the extra things and the extra bits of practice to make you very good at your job or or help you get promoted. Or if it's losing weight, you might have had one healthy day, but you've had 30 other days of overeating, under-exercising or whatever. And it's all about that consistency and putting the hard work in. Um, and that's something at 30, I can say, I didn't do enough of that, where now that's the big lesson that I've, well, I've certainly learned. I think... Um... I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, you know what works for you, and yeah. you have to have that understanding of, your, of yourself. But I think you said something really interesting there, like where I think even if you haven't done what you know what works for you, you still have the potential to have a good day. You still have yeah. even if, like let's use the tilt sense analogy. Like even if I've not put the work in and I've been injured and I've not trained well that week and I've played rubbish the match before that does mm-hmm. not have to affect the very next match. Like it has absolutely no bearing on the next day. And, you know, you yeah. have the potential to to have a good match or a good day, no matter what. And I think, you know, I you know, obviously I got to the point where I knew what worked for me, but 
I also mm -hmm. knew that I could play well no matter what. And I've played well before when I haven't had perfect preparation. So therefore I can mm -hmm. do it again. And it doesn't always have to go to plan because it, it won't always go to plan. I think I just want to sum that bit up by yep. saying like my my strategy was just like like I said, altering my perceptions. You know, your perceptions and your the way you you feel about things is, is kind of directly affects your your view on it, your emotions and your your kind of feeling i suppose and because you can alter your perceptions you have an unbelievable amount of power and influence over your feeling and your you know the way you perform so that's you know it's quite liberating really like you you can you can influence it for, for, for positive you know you can you can make yourself feel good it's just working that out for yourself and uh that will be different for everyone it's just you know i you know some boxers have to get angry don't they i think they're very yeah yeah that really works then. It doesn't personally work for me. I have to be relaxed and clear of thought and logical and, and clarity, you know. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's such an, a personal thing, like mental strength and resilience and how you get yourself into that zone. Um, I think mm -hmm. I've touched on Well, my getting into the zone was all about controlling all those things, which, which got me out of the zone. Um, yeah. If I, did, I was fine. And the, the good thing is that nothing affected that. No matter how good a prep I had, no matter what had preceded, it was here and now. Nothing affects that. So, yeah. And in a way, you can get into that place every time you wake up if you really wanted to. It's just about having the, you know, the, the mental strength to do it, I suppose. <laughs> Sometimes you wake up and you really can't be asked and you just feel knackered. Um, but the more you do it, the stronger you get and the better you are at just being able to quickly do it. It's like, boom, you're there. Because you don't have time in sport either. Yeah, mm -hmm. sorry sum that up a little bit no david i think that's that's great mate. i appreciate you you digging deep you know i'd rather hear your ins and outs than you know one word answers mate so you know feel free yeah. to go on them tangents you know anything anything <laughs> so i don't have to listen to lewis talk that's all, I, that's all i'm happy with <laughs> um thanks mate like, it's all right um, now i'm gonna go on a bit of tangents here because i want to i want to quickly go back to me because i've not had enough limelight sorry david but you know, just taking it back to my footballing days, because you've mentioned there, you would do, you would control the controllables, you know, and Lewis as well, and obviously Dino, you you've shared your experiences. Controlling the controllables is a big thing for me, and I listen to contrasting sort of um, aspects on it. Now, I want to touch on two people here. So obviously, everyone, or I hope, and everyone knows who Ben Foster is. He does the, he's a goalkeeper at Manchester United for England. He does the YouTube videos. He was doing them during lockdown. They were so insightful, and obviously being a goalkeeper myself, obviously nowhere near that standard. Um, I didn't play for Plymouth, Torquay, Sunderland, or anything like that. Um, but you know, he would say he would focus on during the week. He would he knows he's going to train well on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's going to be hard on the Thursday, Friday, not as intense. And on a Saturday or a Sunday, he knows his body's going to do the work. Yeah, and he's gearing up by using his whole week to get to that Saturday or Sunday game. And he knows if he's in the best physical shape, then he's going to have the performance. He's going to let, obviously, the anxiety is not going to be there. You know, he's not. He's going to let the adrenaline take over. He's going to do the job. There's actually someone else, Paul Foreman, who was actually a goalkeeper um, at League Two Barrow. And he was a couple of years older than me among Seton. Um, Lewis might have met him a couple of times in, when we were sort of in the academy. Um, and he always talked about the fact that he never played the game in his head before he stepped on the pitch. It wasn't until he was on the warm-up on the Saturday, on the Sunday, or his midweek game, that he would physically then switch on and be like, right, it's time to go to work. Despite him training every day as a professional footballer, he would not 
overthink and analyze the game. And obviously, I know it sounds quite sad because you know I'm a, at one time I was a 30 stone second choice goalkeeper on a Sunday, um, which is quite embarrassing. But you know I would try both aspects, and you know me physically, I like a bit of both. So I would go to the gym. You know I'm not anywhere near physically fit as any of you three chaps. You know, but I would go to the gym Monday to Friday. I would absolutely smash it. You know I would do nothing sport specific. Um, you know general quality things like that. And then what I would do is I would not think about the game until the warm-up. And you know what it would be? It would be a mix of both and I would get through it. And I would always fake it until I make it. You know, having the confidence, you know, and, and Lewis and Dean will tell you this. A lot of the time, you know, people will try and put you down in sport and I'm the most happiest person ever. You know, if someone asks me a question, I'll tell them I should be a League Two goalkeeper or play in the National League or Premier League. I should be, you know, because you've got to back yourself no matter what. You know, like I say, I'm 30 stone second choice goalkeeper on a Sunday. You know, I couldn't even get a game, you know, for 11 drunk lads on a Sunday morning. So that's how bad I am. But, you know, the fact that I was able to still have that conversation and still back myself, you know, you always back the winning horse. And whether that's, you know, yourself who's managed to get second, you know, in the world at your your sport, which is a fantastic achievement, or whether it's a second choice on a Sunday. You know what I mean? You've got to have that mental drive and, You've got to have that get up and go. Now, I know I've went around the houses there, Dave, but I want to deep dive a little bit. Now, feel free not to give away too many trade secrets. Do you yeah. have any tools mentally that sort of got you in the zone or, you know, say if you're having a bit of a bad day, anything you would use that maybe other people could use, like I say, across the broad range of sports that got you out and got you in that position? I'm a big advocate of saying what comes to my brain top of my head because that's clearly the strongest feeling that I have. And when you were talking about that, it was... You know, it's it's my mates. Honestly, I can't understate how important a role my mates and my family and having that kind of life outside of table tennis, for example, it played a role. Like, because if table tennis was the be all and end all, then you know you're in a very bad place. I think you know that that kind of attaches far too much importance. And I, I like, I don't know. Like, if I was relaxed, I would play good, and I was you know enjoying it and having a good time. And like sometimes when you're on the road and you're like in solitude in your you know, hotel room, you're living out the truthfully. You know, you're doing what you love, but it can be a lonely place. And being able to stay true to, you know, what actually matters in life and you're what's important to you really helped my table tennis. Um so like uh, who was the second guy you said? The, not Ben Foster. But um Paul Foreman, yeah, for Barrow. Yeah. Being, you know, chill. Um that that resonates with me big time. Like um yeah, again, it comes it comes back to like okay, the, the Ben Foster thing. Like, what if what if Ben like that's a question. What if he didn't have a good week? What if he hadn't put the work in? Does that mean he's definitely going to have a bad game on Saturday? That's a bad place to be in, in my opinion. Um, exactly. It's not always going to be good. You know, you're not always going to have a good week. You might have a few niggly injuries. You might, you know, it's not going to be perfect. And obviously, as athletes, you are perfectionists, but. It, it's not always going to be perfect, especially in the Paralympic world. For me, like I was injured all the time, so I kind of got really good at dealing with, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be injured. It's okay to not be at 100%. You can still perform at your 100%, and there's a relative scale for everything. Whether you're number two in the world or playing on a Sunday, there you can always perform at your best, um, no matter whether you're injured, no matter whether you've had a bad week or anything. And it's it's doing it in the moment and letting go of those, you know, those things, it's all noise, isn't it? That's just noise, which doesn't matter. That doesn't have to affect your performance at that particular time. And if you think of those things and 
and you know they, then it will affect your performance and it's about turning the volume of that noise down you can never turn it off obviously because it's there but um for me my my technique yeah it's just my mates yeah being there knowing that there's, there's people behind me there's people who are willing me to do well etc etc um and yeah just going into a match being chill is far more important than going into a match stressing about whether you're you're going to do it or, not, or whether you've had a good week or I don't know. Yeah, does that make sense? I like, honestly, you hear about people, and I've never been an advocate of this, but I would never not prepare. But some of my best tournaments have been when I haven't been able to prepare because, I don't know, maybe you've had a delayed flight or something, you've not been able to get to the training hall when you've wanted to, and you just turn up because, you know, you just have to be chill. And I've got, you know, in my later career, I've realised that none of that really matters what really matters is when it's love all and the referee says you know dave to serve anything that yeah. proceeds does not have to affect how you perform so i only got that in my later career and um and it's even things like you know like um with lewis and your presentations like yeah some of my best like if i prepare a presentation i get stressed about what, what i'm going to say or whatnot yeah you're right Terribly. Whereas if they say, "Oh, Dave, you know, can you just say a few words here, um, etc., cetera, etc.?" Cetera. No preparation whatsoever. Wing it just straight from the heart. Goes absolutely swimmingly. Um, mm -hmm. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's just my ramblings based on what you just said off the top of my head. But um, yeah, not feeling chill. I suppose it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's it, David. And you know, what I mean, you've, you've touched on a lot there, and I think. This is why we started the pod because you know not enough people have that comfort in themselves to sort of be around the the their friendship group and you know like you say it was so important for you to have be in the zone but be relaxed not tensed up you know and friendship is such a big thing and the older we grow it, it's quite sad unfortunately I always promised myself this that I wouldn't be this sort of guy but as the older we go the less and less we talk the less and less we speak to our friends you know we don't see our friends you know I remember. You know, Lewis is including this, but my mm -hmm. other pal Lewis and Kenzie, Harry, both things like that. We would see each other every weekend. You know, I remember sometimes we'd go on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, I'd see me pals more than I would see me mom on some weeks. You know, and I absolutely loved every second. I would never change a second because they're just fantastic people. And obviously, the older you get, people get girlfriends, have children, and you can't begrudge that. But it's such a difficult transition, especially if they are sort of a bit of a lifeline, like my friends were for me, like I don't have any brothers or sisters, you know, my friends don't realise how important they are to me. And it actually upsets me if I don't see them. I am a bit of a needy friend, you know, should we go for a coffee? Can I come even come sit yours and watch a football, you know? Um, I've got a friend who works away, um, he works away on the wind turbines, we call them windmills because he hates it, but he works on the wind turbines. And when he comes back, I just want to see him all the time. He's like, just leave us the fuck alone. You know, I've been climbing windmills for two weeks. I don't want to see you every night. But, you know, he doesn't appreciate how much he means to me and I wish I could show it. So it's really nice that you've got that friendship group. Um, and just before I, I let Lewis talk, because he's itching, you know, he's really mad that he's not spoken about four minutes. But a, a funny story, just to sum up my friends who I've just mentioned and begged up there, you know, I had a game once, I was only about 22, and I don't do well with crosses. It's, despite being a goalkeeper, I don't do well with crosses. And my best pals know this. Lewis knows this, Dean knows this. And I invited a couple of my pals, I knew I was playing, it was the last game of the season, it was for the college. And uh, I invited a couple of my pals, and uh, Harry Bo Kenzie, I think Lewis was there. 
and they stood behind the goal and you know there should be supportive friends they should be like go on you can do this sort of thing instead every time the opposition team got a corner they were telling the person taking the corner to whip it under the crossbar because I'm shit for crosses and you never ever can I clarify that's a different Lewis to me that wasn't me yeah that's not Lewis Lewis. that's not this Lewis yeah it's not this Lewis and it resulted in them actually scoring from a corner at one point yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me, mate. It doesn't surprise me. So that was um, that's what real yeah. friends do, isn't it? Real friends put yeah. you down, and they because uh, they, the they mean it with love. They put you down with so much love. That's the thing, mate. Like okay. for year for for years. But that that's that's the thing we talk about on this podcast quite a bit. You have your friends group, and we all love our, our mates because they will rip the shit out of us. They will have your life, and. It's just getting that fine balance between being able to have real honest conversations and not just having your life ripped. As long as yeah. it's even 5 or 10%, you can have the real honest conversations. It's probably enough because if if Ethan was texting me every day going, hi, mate, hope you're okay, miss you, love you. Like I'd be like, Ethan, can you pack it in? It's getting a bit too much. But if he says, Lewis, do you know, I, I seen a, a short, bald bloke the other day and he reminded me of you. Just like when we went to Dino's wedding recently, every person who was bald with a beard, it didn't matter if they were six foot six foot six or four foot four, every single one of them was me. And I know we've got Christian producing tonight, who's also a bald man with a beard, man on the second in on the left there, who yeah. was equally playing the same game, forgetting that he was bald too. <laughs> Which was like I have to put up with this all the time, and even the pre-chat before you came on, actually, Christian, which made Ethan laugh, declared that the only thing Lewis has going for him is that he's bald, <laughs> which did make me laugh, to be fair. But that, but there, I wouldn't change it for the world. That's what you want your mates to be able to do: is yeah. rip you a bit. It makes you feel good in a weird, messed up Absolutely. way. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like self. I love self-depreciating humor, and you know, yeah, me too. It. I get it with people who are short and disabled. Like my mates are my real mates are obviously close enough to rip me for that. But it, it's you know it's, it's like making yourself unbreakable, really. Like you you know yeah. uninsultable. Un, I don't know what the word is. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it works. It, it works, works, mate. And it's yeah. there is sort of a like kind of a stronger, deeper kind of you know level to that with obviously being disabled, like. Being disabled has never been an insecurity of mine because I really kind of own it. You have to own your insecurities because, you know, maybe growing up, it was a bit of an insecurity of me, of mine, like being short, having a disability. But, you yeah. know, once once you kind of own it, like that can't possibly hurt you. So, yeah, you own being bold, yeah. mate. Absolutely. Own I, I have to. I have to. Even though Job's doing me a favour with the sign is just above my head, actually. So yeah, if I sit it. like this, people maybe can't. Yeah, I still am bald. Thanks, Joby. You you just keep doing me a favour. Turn your camera on, Job. Oh, I can't talk, can he? I forgot. Um, yeah. So, D- David, I think what would be really interesting. So, obviously, it's great to understand some real in- insight in ter- terms of your career, some of the, the the sort of challenges that you've had, both mentally and physically, around um, getting to the level that you got to. One thing that we talked about um, briefly before you coming on the podcast was then you you hit sort of a crossroads in your life of one career was coming to an end 
Mm. And then what does, how do you transition from being an, an elite athlete, but to the everyman, how do you go from having one career direction or one life direction? And then suddenly something changes in your life and you have to go in a different direction. So how did you go around that sort of transition from being an, an, an elite athlete to now what you're doing today and, but also maintaining that, that love of your, your life yeah. and, and doing things that make you feel fulfilled and, and all those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, I think fundamentally it was, yeah, it was tough. I'd be, I'd be like, I think, um, you know, they always say, I, I was well aware that it was common for athletes, sex athletes to, I said ex athletes there, that sounded a bit weird, I mean, it's sex athletes. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, David. That's Ethan. That is, yeah. Uh, I'm a sex athlete, mate. Don't worry, David. Wait, wait, wait. His OnlyFans link is in the comments. Uh, Only Scrans, isn't it? OnlyFans. Only Scrans. Only Scrans. Yeah. Yeah. All he Scrans. (laughs) (laughs) While naked. (laughs) I've got photos of that, and it's not great. Oh dear. I'll check the link out later. Yeah, no, I was, I was well aware that, you know, it was, I was quite naive, I think, because I did a chemistry degree when I was 18, and I, I kind of squeezed that in before my table tennis career really kicked off. In, I did it in the cycle between Beijing and London when I was still young, and I could do all those things. Like, looking back, I don't know how I managed to do a degree and train full time and all those things. Like, I'd never slept, um, and I think you can do that when you're younger. And, and obviously, living a new lifestyle yeah. as well, to some extent within reason tried my best anyway but um having a having a degree i was a bit naive in the sense that i thought oh i'll be fine like i don't you know i don't need to really consider my my later career until you know cross that bridge when it comes to it kind of thing i'll be all right um and nothing could have prepared me for for that that period like i i yeah i was lost i i no longer had a reason to get out of bed like i couldn't even get out of bed to start with let alone you know even if i wanted to like i didn't know what i would have you know, I didn't know where I was going. No direction, no purpose. It's like belonging as well. You need, you know, when you're in a team, a really high elite performance like environment, you're you've had such an unbelievable sense of belonging and purpose, and something to aim for. And it's easy to get out of bed at five a.m. and go and smash your body to bits. Like it's so easy. And then it's all of a sudden it felt impossible. Like yeah. there was no into it. And I think that's why, irrespective of what level you are, what kind of you know, on the on the relative scale, of what you're doing, no matter what you're doing, you you have to have a purpose in life. Like, and I had, you know, it was all taken away from me. My passion was gone. Like, um, and that killed all my motivation in other things in life as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. my life, my relationship broke down. Everything, like my whole identity was just gone. Um, and how I saw myself, and I was a table tennis player. No longer was I. You know, I, I was. You know, it, yeah, really struggled. And even though, yeah, I I was putting things in place in my career and going off and and whatnot but I didn't still didn't really know where I was headed I just again I just stuck to the process I knew that it will turn out all right I'll just work hard and um yeah but it was very no I didn't have the motivation to even do that for for a long period of time and I know I touched on the fact that I had a hip replacement um that was about a year after I retired because of the waiting Mm -hmm. list so that year was I was so lost man like really mentally not good um and I did put on a lot of weight and that wasn't just because I couldn't walk. Obviously had I had the motivation and the reason, then I could have kept it off. I could have, 
you know, it's been so important for me to stay in table tennis and, and you know, get that love for it back. Because um, that is my passion. That will never go away. But I did lose yeah. it for a and it and it put me in a hole big time. So I'm not going to, yeah, I'm, I would love to like, almost like, you know, athletes now, like, who think they'll be fine. Like, you, you know, it, it would be good to, you know, press upon my experiences because I really, really did struggle. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, and in a way, I'm, I'm still coming out of that, really. Like, I'm still finding my way. Um, I wouldn't mm -hmm. pretend to be like okay now in, in the sense that it's just it's just a, a different purpose now I, I found a new purpose like I've got a new career I'm training going towards my professional qualifications for, as a project manager so yeah you know, that's given me and I'm working for a brilliant company like I've got that sense of belonging back and and now I'm going to the gym every morning again and it's starting to come back and you know these are things which are important to me and I think you know that doesn't have to be taken away at all no matter what you go through in life you can still you know you still got to hold on to your passions i think that would yeah. be my advice what makes you tick yeah. i know exactly what makes me tick and that is you know being a bit of an animal uh training hard and just because i'm not doing it professionally anymore doesn't mean i have to completely let go of it all um but, you know it's fine it's fine to feel like that for a while not everyone can be motivated 100 percent of the time three six five days a year like that's that's cool um and I think, yeah, I I managed to get myself out of that hole, had a hip replacement and slowly but surely took one day as a, I think that's the point, just take one each day at a time, um, really get small intermediary goals rather than the biggest, the bigger picture, because that can be really, you know, the magnitude of that goal can seem a little bit too overall, over, you know, yeah. can be a bit too much sometimes. But I was just, you know, my, my initial goal was just to be able to put time a shoelace Again, I couldn't reach out and do my shoelaces, anything like that. Like, I mean, I know it seems like a small win, but now looking back, it's it's mad. Like, it's mad how far I've come, and it's really good to talk to you about it as well because it's just self kind of, you know, reinforcing this good feeling that I've got at the moment. That I've, you know, get stronger and stronger, and the mountain's getting bigger and bigger, and I can go higher and higher. And but if you'd have aimed for the top of that mountain at the very start, there's absolutely no. How demoralising would that be? Um, and I think coming out of table tennis, I was so demoralized. And um, yeah, one step over and over again, eventually you've done a thousand more steps and you're away. And it's just starting. Starting is the hardest thing, isn't it? Taking that first yeah. step the staircase. Um, but yeah, no, I took me a long time to take that first step or that first proverbial step after I finished table tennis. I, I didn't play table tennis or even coach for many months. I didn't want to go near a table tennis hall. Um, yeah, and I thought that I would hate it when I came back, but I, you know, it'd been enough time for me. I loved it, and I was like, you can get me off the table. Sadly, my hip was still a little bit painful, and I can't quite twist and turn and stuff. And I know that you know, I'm never going to get back to the level that I was, but that's the point. Like, I'm okay with that now, like, I've accepted it before, I hadn't accepted it, and it was depressing me that I wasn't at the level that I used to be. And I would never yeah. be what I ever used to be. And that depressed me. <laughs> but now it's, you know, it's fine. People get older. You know, these things happen. It's it's literally acceptance is, is the biggest barrier to um, overcoming that. And now I'm, you know, doing relatively well in my, in my new career. And I've got these goals to aim for. Got these reasons to get out of bed. Um, and I'm trying new things as well. You, yeah. 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 That's just me at the moment. So it's been a weird old couple of years, to be honest, or a year and a half. Um, but I think I'm out the other side now. So, yeah, if I can help any other 
people who are going through similar kind of transitions and it doesn't have to be you know athlete to athlete to whatever transition it, it could be just... military could be anyone who's career change there's loads of things that yeah. that we can all probably resonate with with with, with that in mind yeah yeah so, well, I, I... any kind of change i think like you see it with people who this is why i think i, I was born with my disability and i had an yeah. unbelievable growth period of about you know obviously adolescent years are a big time of you know understanding yourself and accepting my disability and who i was that took place over a period of you know 20 years you know if you have an injury through trauma or you know accident god forbid like you know it happens like you have to go through that growth instantly and that's nigh on impossible you you can't do that like it takes time um so yeah man it's difficult and and i mean i mean we always got told um i say like like i said i've had a lot of trade like a lot of support through sports psychology like i don't just you don't just know these things you don't just you have to live through them and and it's like um it was it's like a rock ball you know when the when the tide comes in you've got your lovely little rock ball that's all tranquil and you've got your rocks and your fish or whatever's in your lovely rock ball that you like it's normal it all gets completely blown out of the water and all this turbulence etc etc but eventually that tide will go back out and there might be different things in your rock ball there might be you know it's still the same rock ball it just takes a bit of time for that new normal to be found and eventually tranquility will be there again it just takes you know you just got to trust that it will it will come yeah. no I, I think you're i think you're right there there was there was lots of times i remember sort of in my life around wait where you say around not feeling like almost accepting that you've you're not never going to be the person that you were and I remember growing up and having big dreams and aspirations of being wildly successful and all those sorts of things. And I probably still have those um, preconceptions or ideas or whatever in my head where I think I could still do that. Or I look back and think, oh, I wasted that opportunity or I should have done this or I should have done that. And this is probably one as much for Dean and Ethan here in your lives. I don't know if you guys are in the stage of your life where you are where you want to be on everything that you want to do but how have you sort of evolved through your life of being in times where Ethan for example there's been many a time like we knew each other when you went to university obviously you didn't finish university because it wasn't something that you ultimately wanted to do you moved to the other end of the country down from Newcastle to Southampton Um, but where you are today I don't know if you are where you want to be but how have you accepted not achieving the things in your own life that you might have wanted to do to sort of get you where you are today? Yeah, no, Lou, it's um, it's a great point. Um, do you know, uh, we'll, we'll come to you in a second. I know the same to you, but I want to ha- have a chance to, to explain that I'm going the opposite way to, to you and, and David in this respect. And mm-hmm. I've, I'm not where I want to be. I've never been where I want to be. And... Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's not too late to be where I want to be. Um, unfortunately, it was mentioned previously in episodes that I've had back surgery and I don't think I'll ever kick a football again, you know, but I've never had the chance to play at a really high level. I've never had the chance to come off the pitch and my friends tap us on the back and say, fucking well played today, you kept winning the game. You know, I've not got those war stories. I know I take the piss out of Lewis for playing those days, but, you know, he's had something in the footballing world and David I know you've obviously 
in, in other avenues, obviously table tennis being the, the big one, you've had the chance to taste that glory and to taste what it's like to be at the top. And I've not done that. And I'm quite sad that I'm now sort of 30. I've still not done it. And in my personal life as well, it's actually with my weight. So I've actually never, ever been skinny. You know, I've been a bit slender. I think 18 stone maybe was the, the lightest I've been. And that was when I was born. Um, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> My poor mom, she's going to hate that joke. Um, but, you know, for me personally, I want to be skinny. I want to be lean. And, and I know now there's going to be a cost with it as well. You know, there'll be excess skin. You know, I'll probably not look as good as I do now because I'm fucking amazing. But, you know, I'm, I'm not looking back at those regrets. I'm looking forward and thinking, I'm going to fucking do this. I'm going to be skinny. I'm going to be that footballer. I'm going to prove the surgeons wrong and I'm going to prove everyone else wrong. You know, and to put into context my story last time, someone's going to put a cross in for the corner and I'm going to fucking catch it. Okay. You know? So that, that's my, that, that's me. Um, in a nutshell, going the opposite direction. I don't know about you, Dean. I'm just one of these where I've just never, ever known what I want to do. Like, I'm still now, I'm 32 and I just don't know what I want to do. But part of what I do do is just whatever I'm doing at the time, I just try and do it the best that I can. So I work in sales at the minute. I like that because if I work harder, that I, I get more money. Um, maybe not the way it's going at the minute, but um, it's just a really hard one. Like so, that's why. Like now, I, I quit football. Quit playing football when I started going out on the drink. I didn't play for like nine years, and like now, I'm just so obsessed with it. You know, it, as you boys know, I, I live and die. I breathe it. You know, um, with watching football. Surprised, yeah. Live, I live it. You know, I love playing it. Um, you're probably surprised because I've actually taken me uh, King's Arms top off for once, um, yeah. which is a good one. But now it's one of these ones I've always struggled. I struggle now, but this year I've sort of made a, I made a decision during probably December that I was going to change. I still don't know what I want to do. I just know that I need to make a change. Something needs to happen. So I set myself the goal that me, me health was going to be my first thing that I was going to do. So since December, you, you lads will know. I, you know, I had lost a bit of weight when I first come onto the um, when I first come to the football team. But then I've decided that I want to lose more. So you know, for the first three months of this year, I've just decided that I'm just going to kick on with me fit with me weight loss. Um, How much have you lost? Months, How much have you uh, lost? Tell that story a little bit. All together, I was a, I was a, the high the highest I got to was like 100, 108 kilograms, and I'm like seventy nine now. Um, so I think that's like 16 and a half, 17 stone, and I'm like 12 and a half now. So I'm now officially classed as not obese uh, or not overweight. One of the, two. I think it's not obese anymore. Um, but I, so the next one I really want to push on, I'm trying to push on, with like just building a bit of muscle. Um, so that's yeah. me, me next thing. But I've, I've started getting up early in the mornings. I'm working on that. I'm going for runs. Um, like if you spoke to me four months ago, November, Running wasn't a thing. Getting up early wasn't a thing. On my days off, I was getting up two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and in summer when it was light. Um, mm -hmm. And now I've just completely, completely changed. So, you know, things are looking up for me, at least in that point. It's just in terms of the what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's just mm -hmm. still one of these things where, you know, I still don't know. Um, well, mate, before before you carry on, I just want to say you've done incredible. And, and as your mate, I need to say that you Appreciate it, visibly look really good in a bromance way um but hearing your passion when you're talking about the changes that you've made in your life i think that's like you can hear it you sound mm. super motivated and 
for me, who's not in the in the best health place that I've ever been for for, for quite a while, it's a motivation for me to get myself back in half decent shape and try and sort of follow your lead because as one of like my mates I feel if you're doing it then I sh- could do it and I should probably be doing more too because it's so easy to fall into to that sort of rut isn't it yeah it is but it's obviously all the other things that are happening as well you know like at the minute everything else is going good everything else is smooth you know I've got a good job I'm happy mm-hmm. as anything with the misses at the moment I'm uh, in my spare time, I'm playing football and that. So you know, it was just it was just dotting the i's and crossing the t's. I just sort of thought to myself, you know, why why not work a little bit harder? You know, I haven't had a, a McDonald's or a KFC or the only fast food I've had is Subway, and I get no cheese and no sauce on it. You know, so everyone always laughs and says, "What's the point?" But um, it's just something that I'm really enjoying at the moment. I'm enjoying the way that I feel about myself. Like you know, when I, I look mm-hmm. forward to waking up in the morning. I look forward to going to bed early. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just keen. I'm sure, like once you once you get back into the flow of it, Lou, you know we'll get more preseason going, get get into next season summer cup as well. Like I'm sure, you know, yeah. you'll get back into it really well, mate. Cheers, man. Yeah. I just yeah, want to well. reiterate as well what Lou said. Sorry, Dave. Uh, Dave, I, well, I, let well, let you say that. Massive, massive, massive respect. Yeah. Resident. Cheers, mate. Cheers, yeah. mate. I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest with Dean, I, and I'm going to back Lou up here, but only half. Dean, you fucking smashed it, mate. But we can always yes. be better. So mm-hmm. don't take your fucking foot off the pedal. I'll be keeping an eye on you because I see in the gym all the time just walking around looking at the women. I hope your <laughs> wife doesn't see this. That's both of us. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm proud of you, mate. And just keep, keep it going, right? Because I don't want you to fall back into old habits. And if you need anything, and yeah, and I'm going to probably do the same. You know, um, If I have a burger in my hand, I might text you and say, Come slap this burger up your hand, Dean. So do the same for me, Reed. I will do it. Thank you. Good lad. Uh, David, um, just yeah, sorry. one more yeah. thing from me, mate. I know I've, I've blagged you. Um, you know, I've not let Lewis speak as half as much as he usually likes to. Um, but we we actually do something to move on called See No Evil, Hear No Evil. It changes Box. every week. There you go. It changes See, every week. See, other way around. No, no, it's it's hear no evil, see no evil, but Ethan gets it wrong every single week. It's brilliant. So basically what we like to ask our guests, obviously you've come over some major um, diversity, you know, you've actually smashed out the park. And what our listeners and watchers um, would like to see is potentially, or hear, either a podcast or a book that you've read at the start of your journey, something you've read during your journey or something you're reading or listening to now, that sort of keeps you going, give, gives you a bit of motivation, even maybe. Uh, do you know? Do you, again, top of my head, because clearly that's the most powerful feeling for me at the moment. But I've read a book recently called The Tower of Pooh. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's basically Winnie the Pooh stories, but with very real, you know, kind of told in the way of, of towers in them, like almost, you know, I like, I, I think it's no secret that. Old Lewis quite a bit. I love stoicism. Like I follow um, stoic quotes and like Marcus Aurelius and meditations, like all that kind of thing. But, you know, I love it. Um, it kind yeah. of a lot of parallels with sport and life and just being a good person. I think that's what what life's all about. If you can be a good person, then nothing else matters. You know, do the right thing. Nothing else matters at all. Um, you know, some of the strongest people in the world are I mean, most resilient. Are the ones who, are, you know, probably to everyone else are the ones in the, the worst situations or deemed to be the worst situations. So 
and that's no coincidence. And you know, Taoism, Stoicism is a, a not a coping mechanism, but that that mindset and that way of thinking—it's just a way of thinking, isn't it? And being—it's just being rather than or, or you know, being epitomizes what you know. Just being. <laughs> It's just, yeah, so the Tower of Pooh, Winnie the Pooh story is told with a, with a Taoist twist. Um, oh, give it a, yeah, yeah, I did, I did not expect that. I have to be honest. I didn't, I didn't expect, expect that. that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> def definitely worth definitely worth a, a read. Yeah, 89 yeah. pence on Amazon. Yeah. Is it? I'll, yeah, I've just ordered it. <laughs> Get yeah, it to be fair, Dean orders every single book that has... Um, that's been recommended, so fair play, Dean. It's a very easy read, actually, as well. Even if, you know, it's you can dip into it. It's not mm. heavy or anything. Because some of these inspirational, motivational, you know, this these books can be quite heavy to read. And, you know, it's mm. just easy. And it's, it just goes in, you know. There's loads of little snippets of absolute wisdom and gems. So I love it. Yeah, that was, I mean, I've probably got loads more, but that's what came to my head because it's fresh in my memory. Yeah. I appreciate it, David. Thank you very much. I would like to also actually ask you and go off topic another question because you are an athlete, you know, and you've hit levels that we couldn't possibly dream of. Now, something I'm quite big into as well is sort of supplements, um, ice therapy, heat therapy, things like that. And I just want to know if you, whether it's now when you're sort of playing back in the day, just to expand on here, I know you've all seen it, were you yeah. supplementing anything like glucosamine sulfate? I know you've obviously mentioned injuries we do an ice therapy you know it's quite a broad yeah. spectrum but is there anything you could shed a bit of light on for any of our yeah. listeners or watchers like i said i was a perfectionist if i you know one percent gains you with small margins in sport you can talk all day long about that but if you you're almost missing a trick if you're not hunting those one percent so yeah i was on i was on i like casein protein like recovery so it's all about recovery not necessarily you know Growth or anything because you're in good shape as an athlete. You don't need to get bigger and stronger. Hopefully, you're at your absolute peak anyway. For me, it was all about recovering and being able to go in day day in day out consistently. No point in battering your body and training your ass off one day if you can't do it the day after and the day after that and then the day after that. You have to recover. And yeah, casein protein is a good one for me. Um, slow release, you know, so you're metabolizing or you know take it before you go to bed. Metabolism metabolizing throughout the night and recovering the muscles like it's all about recovery and obviously ice baths again that's something that i even got into in my later career and it's blown my mind mm. like aside from the you know the very real mental benefits as well um unbelievable clarity of thought clarity of mind you feel like you can no longer take one step you know after you finish a hard session getting an ice bath getting like thankfully where i live obviously down cornwall and in a like you can just yeah. get in the sea. I get in the sea every. Like I get in the sea every day if I had time. Um, I know time could not be an excuse, but you know it's not always practical. But yeah, like just you feel like you get out of the sea, you can run a marathon again. Unbelievable. Um, just completely wipes away aches and pains, and 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 I love obviously talking about the mental side of things as well. I love what it represents. About you know if you had a gun to your head or talking, you know, or if if you know. Just to use that example, there's absolutely, of course, you can stay in that, that cold water for 10 more minutes. You, you would. It's, it's, it's like a mental battle when you can stay mm. in and do it. And then obviously, you train in the gym, you get stronger, but the only way you can train your internal kind of your breathing, um, you know, the muscles around your little capillaries that fire the blood around your body and get the oxygen to your muscles, which fundamentally is what you're training for, is through cold water. And all this science is coming out now with Wim Hof and stuff. And yeah. It's blown my mind. 
yeah, I'm trying to rattle that off quickly because I, I, I could think about that for ages. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I love it. Top man, thank you. I appreciate you opening up because, like I say, it's something that a lot of people are still sort of finding their feet with. So the ability to, to go ahead and share a bit of light on it, I do do thank you for it. No, yeah. I, wish, like, wish, wish, I'd, wish, it, wish I'd done it when I was playing. Like, I, it's, it's only really as I've stopped playing that I'm doing all the, the ice swimming and all the, you know, I've done... I do a charity open every year at Christmas. And yeah, that's how I kind of first got into it. But yeah. At first, at first, you only do 20 seconds. You hmm. did, did nearly 20 minutes in three degrees, which Bloody yeah, hell. like you have to train for that stuff, you know? Yeah. But yeah, but the, the um, yeah, you feel like an animal. You feel like so physiologically fit, which you cannot get into that state just by going to the gym. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's something I've been experimenting with. Um, with I wanted to get one of uh, like an ice bath just for the garden, but my missus just isn't having it. Um, but our gym that we go to, me and um, Ethan, they've got a cold shower. I don't know if you have you been in the cold shower yet, Ethan. Yeah, do you know? So, so um, obviously I know you know this, but I love my cold water therapy. I go down the sea. I have ice bath. Me and D, well, you'll probably hear me, do you know, from the gym in the ice bath. You know, I can I can sit in an ice bath for 10, 15, 20 minutes. But put me in that cold shower after the gym. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love going in in the sauna and then out. But I've just got a, just a just a bit of humorous question here. Obviously, since you know uh, London twenty twelve, they've sort of brought in a lot of you know table tennises uh, table tennis tables out in the public areas. Do you ever just go down and just you know wait for someone to underestimate you and then just smash them to bits? Because yeah. I, I feel like that'd be something I would do. Yeah. Well... My mates always don't. We should hustle. We should like pretend how bad I am and maybe lose. Uh, yeah. Uh, double or quits. You know, 100%. Up the stakes massively. Yeah, maybe that could be a business idea at some point. I still not. Still not but yeah, they've got ping pong bars and all these kind of things. And I don't know. I'm, I'm quite, I'm actually quite, I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite, I'd rather take a back seat. I've never been one for like the limelight or anything. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. but you know, now I'm single again as well. They're saying I should should uh, hang out these ping pong bars and press people. Yeah, I, I see. You've got to be careful which ping pong bars you go to, though, because I've been to one and uh, it wasn't what I expected. I brought me ba- paddle and it was the wrong one. Yeah. God. I've been to one. Yeah. Another well... story. <laughs> Promise, Dave was just backing it back in. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The serve. Yeah. Um, well, David, that that does bring us to the end of tonight's episode, and yeah, I, I want to say firstly, thanks, mate, for coming on. Honestly, it's been super insightful. You're the the first elite athlete we've had on, and to be able to pick your brains and understand some of the challenges you've been through, understand equally how transferable some of those experiences and lessons are for the everyday man i think we've all taken something away from it today and um yeah you, what you've achieved is incredible from a small town in cornwall where it's amazing how many people have become successful from that small town there must be something in the river tamer i have to be honest um but yeah it, what an incredible guest david and honestly so so grateful that you did to come on uh, and speak to us tonight mate no oh, thanks thank you yeah, I feel like I need to give some profound, like, summing up words or anything, but I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. And 
Oh, I could talk to you, but just what resonates with me, like amongst the four, like the three of you, and four of you including, um, yeah, is just you know, ex, ex, it's like exercise and fitness, like that's what saved me really. Like, I think having that goal, that aim for that, you know, once you know, once you know which direction you're headed, then that wind's going to be favourable. Whereas if you don't know the, the direction you're heading, and no wind is favourable. I think that mm-hmm. that's what for me, and that, that exercise and being able to improve yourself—that's what that's all about me for me. And it's only really in that pain cave, that weird kind of euphoric state of, you know, hanging out your asshole, shall we say, similar to like being freezing in the tea, that you get that euphoric state of, you know, clarity of mind and being able to think straight. And some of my best thoughts and ideas and good feeling come when I'm absolutely dying from exercise. So uh, keep yeah. it up, and um, and I'm sure you'll find a place where you're you're headed, and all your all your your goals and your dreams will will become clear, and you can just go out and attack it. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Right? Just keep keep it going. But there we go. There's my profound little summation. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. Absolute pleasure. Top yeah. man, David. Thank you. Cheers, brilliant. Me. Cheers. It. Thanks, Cheers. mate. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, gents, we just had David on there. What an episode that was. What's your thoughts? Ethan, go on. All right, cheers. Uh, yeah, you know, David was absolutely tremendous. What a guest, by the way. Um, the fact that he opened up as well so much, especially at being such high-level athlete, you don't really get that brutal honesty. Um, so no. take, take my hat off him, uh, as Lewis says. Take your hat off, show me what you're born in. Uh, he also made me appreciate how much I love my pals. You know what I mean? Um, this Lewis, obviously Dean, Chris, but obviously my pals that I've grew up with, you know, other Lewis, you know, Harry Bo, Candy, Hoogie, mm-hmm. Matty, you know, all of them. Um, Ryan, Rob. Ryan, Rob, you know, people who've really made positive impacts in my life and continue to do so today and their families as well. Um, just I wouldn't be here without them. So the fact that David expressed that and that they get him through his daughter's time is similar to me as well. Um, so I really relate. What about you, Dino? I just, uh, these podcasts are a bit mad because you speak to these people like Tim Harkness and like uh, David and that, and you know, they're elite, elite athletes and you know, Tim's elite at what he does, but they're just like normal people like me and you, like you forget that, don't you? Um, so you, uh, you're a little bit taken aback, especially when I was looking into his story and stuff. I watched, you know, some of his, um, some of his shots on YouTube. So he's played some amazing shots and stuff like that. You know, there's a couple of things yeah. I still wanted to touch on, you know, I hope he comes back on, but he um, definitely it's really, will. yeah, it's really interesting just to, to hear how, how he get how he got on with sort of his sort of mental strength and his sort of mental health when he was competing at the top. And, you know, some of the things that he said, you know, I will sort of try and, try and take in, you know, on these podcasts, I, I just, I find myself just sitting there as a guest, just listening. And then I've just, I, I sort of go off and think to myself, oh, that, that's such good advice, you know? And uh, yeah, so, so learning so much, but what a fantastic guest. And, you know, he's there uh, to take one of his quotes, you know, the harder the conflict, the most glorious, the more glorious, the triumph. He said that in his Ted talk, I was meant to, meant to bring it up, but I uh, fantastic yeah. guest. Uh, what about yourself, Lou? Yeah, honestly, mate, like, like I said to you guys before and when arranging Dave to come on, I'd grown up around in the same sort of town. I think there's no more than 3,000 people living in that town. So it's it's to us, it's like Whitley Bay or whatever. Mm. It's a small town. And within that town, there's been various 
people some a few years older to David and a few years younger who've all made it as elite athletes in various sports, judo, football, rugby, obviously table tennis with, with David and um, and some at some really high international levels. And I just remember being on my own journey and obviously I didn't make it, but having looking up to people like David growing up thinking, wow, because like you said, he was 15 when he started competing at international level. So I was just starting through sort of secondary school then. And, and you, you're seeing these people in your school achieving these things and you're thinking, wow, am I, what could I achieve? And then to catch up when I'm 30 and he's in his mid 30s and hear what almost the end of what that story actually was. And there's been sort of a huge gap in between. It was just incredible to hear what he's overcome, what he's achieved. Um, yeah, a huge inspiration, not just from a, a, a sporting perspective, but from a personality, from a drive. There's so many lessons in what he's overcome and experienced in his life that I think the every man can take, and they don't have to just look at it within sport. There were so many things he was saying there that resonates with people in just their nine to five jobs of, of working hard, putting you all in, believing in yourself, trusting the process, all those sorts of things. I think that's really key for people to take away. What about you, Joby, as the producer? Yeah, I mean, I'm always interested when we hear from from the elites because from my perspective growing up, like they're almost like superheroes <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know if you think of um, i don't know your favorite footballer you know let's say ronaldo for me if i think of ronaldo it's almost as though he's not a person he is a mm-hmm. person but he's not a person and i disassociate like the emotional um, side from of reality yeah yeah and, and his emotions and having a lot of these guests on kind of just makes us feel like how much of they are just every man <laughs> and every yeah, yeah. everyday women like these have emotions like us they have feelings like us and that part of it i've never had a chance to think about it's always Mm -hmm. kind of disassociated from us so it's actually really refreshing to hear that they go through struggles and they have Mm -hmm. sort of nerves and you know because you think they're invincible don't you you think oh well they're not going to get nervous before a massive game like we do but (laughs) it's nice to kind of hear that they all do you know what i mean so yeah yeah, he was a great guest I think Tim summed it up. Obviously, Tim Harkness, mm. guest number one on our episode four, when he was saying around um, elite athletes are just everyday people who are really good at one thing. Yeah. So they are they are super, they, and they might be good at a few things, but it doesn't mean that they're amazing at life. That That's the key. It doesn't mean that they're amazing at dealing with all the pressures of life, all the mental struggles, all the physical battles mm. that we overcome. They're, they're just really good at one thing that gives them that structure and that purpose to keep maybe on track with certain things. And the, the lesson really is that, that I I take from that is that they do that from hard work, dedication, commitment, focus, setting real goals, where in everyday life, us who just have normal jobs, we can follow that sort of blueprint to have our own level of success. We, we can still do that ourselves. We don't have to be an elite athlete earning hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds. We don't. We can still get the lessons from them and follow the a process to success or a process to living a happier life. And that's really what I'm taking from the conversations that we're having, especially with, with people around sort of elite performance. 
hundred percent just get and look through the keyhole, isn't it really? And mm-hmm. uh, see what makes them tick. It's not something you see every day or hear every day. So no, not at all. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but uh, well, yeah. Well, gents, yeah. it has been a brilliant episode. Um, I'm going to wrap it there because it's quarter to nine, and as you all know, my son is not very well. So I'm going to wrap it. Thank you very much for all attending tonight and coming on. You guys were brilliant hosts. Job, you did a fantastic job producing. I think yeah, we used to guys. chat really well. I will say it. The guests will never hear it, but there was a lot less interrupting tonight, which was great. Mm. And uh, I will catch you on the next one. See you in a bit, boys. Yeah, boys. Stay blessed. Cheers, in boys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.